Welcome to Voicing Startups, where I, Colin Bournes, interview founders and operators changing the world through audio, voice, and conversational technology. This week on the Voicing Startups podcast, I'm talking with Hugh, co-founder and CEO of Whisper. Whisper is a platform that is designed to deliver better information to workers and real-time data to managers so you can constantly improve frontline operations through the use of a voice-first experience. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Voicing Startups. Hey, Hugh. Thanks for coming on the Voicing Startups podcast. Hey, Colin. Thanks for having me. Could you just start with a quick background of yourself? Sure. So I am Irish originally, born and bred in Dublin, now running a software company based out of Copenhagen in Denmark. So my uh, business partner, Keith, is from the US originally and now also based in Copenhagen. So we've come from a bunch of different places and ended up in the Nordics. That's great. And then could you give uh, the listeners just an elevator pitch of Whisper and then uh, dig into the the origin story and and how you came up with the idea and, and ultimately started the company? Yeah, sure. So we started Whisper about two years ago to bring technology in a meaningful and impactful way to people that work on their feet. So these are individuals who clean hotel rooms, work in healthcare, in manufacturing, um, maybe they work in heavy industry, something like oil and gas. And typically, they don't have any technology to help them do a better job. Typically, they are empowered in inverted quotes, by pen and paper. And myself and Keith both worked on our feet for about 10 years, and we experienced all the same sorts of problems. So you don't have real-time access to information. You don't have a place to ask questions or a safe place to ask questions. You don't have a place to leave a note or to contact somebody. Um, instead, everything, done, everything that's done is completed super manually, super slowly, uh, and often with a ton of errors involved. So what we wanted to do was take the benefits of technology that those of us that work at a desk already have and make those available to people that work on their feet. And what that meant was creating new formats and different ways of connecting with these individuals than were previously used. So while it makes sense sometimes to use a screen, when you're working on your feet, often your hands and eyes are very busy and therefore a different format is needed, such as voice or a voice assistant to enable you to make the sort of quick commands that you don't think twice about at a desk, but that actually become big blockers when you're on your feet. Yeah. And could you talk a little bit about how um, Whisper ultimately brings that technology to people on their feet? Sure. So what we wanted to do was combine AI and natural language processing and enable this seamless interaction between man and computer, enabling both of them to actually do what they do best. So uh, to remember a sequential set of activities, we will give that uh, to the computer. Um, Figuring out a way to create a better experience for a guest, we'll leave that to the person. And so those are just kind of some examples of how we wanted to divvy up all of the things that need to get done, which previously were all lumped onto the worker. Now actually splitting those up between man and machine and enabling that information to get to the right person at the right point in the right way. So you might have a command delivered through voice in through the headset of a worker, reminding them to um, 
disinfect now that we're in COVID-19 territory to, to disinfect yeah. the bathroom, leaving the spray on for three minutes before wiping it off. It makes sense to, to issue that as a voice reminder. But then again, you may want to deliver a worker's assignments for the day. And of course, that doesn't need to be delivered by voice. That should be delivered on screen. So what we're trying to do is make sure that we're getting the right information to the right person, but delivering that in an effective way for the worker. And in a way that actually enables them to improve their productivity and to improve the quality of the work that they're doing. Because what we found was the holy grail for frontline companies is a combination of speed and quality. Yet they have always been at the expense of each other. It has always been a zero-sum game. And so what we're doing now is trying to harness technology so that we don't create that world where we actually create a world where every worker can be as connected as those of us who work at a desk and get the information that they need to do a better job. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Could we, could we just better understand um, both the, the product, um, ultimately your, your target customers? I think it'd be helpful to go through some, some prominent use cases of Whisper um, today. Uh, could we walk through um, some, some specific use cases that, that people are using with Whisper um, in 2020? Yeah, sure. So I think a good place to start is is actually, you know, we're in COVID-19 pandemic territory. Um, something that we released uh, two weeks ago was an initiative called COVID Clean. And this was for, at the beginning, just hotel and hospitality businesses that had to remain open during the crisis, but wanted to make sure that they were doing two things. One, protecting their workers, so protecting employees that were coming to work and had to complete the tasks in this new world. And secondly, protect the people that were going to visit their businesses. So in a hotel, some hotels are staying open because they may be housing people that are in self-isolation, maybe they're healthcare workers. And obviously the cleaning of those properties is now much more complex than it was previously. So how do we get the right information to the workers? The Center of Disease Control in the U.S. released guidelines for how cleaning should be done, and they do those in PDFs. And we wanted to try get those tips to each worker in a way that actually helped them complete those actions and record back to the business that they were doing it. So a typical kind of use case would be exactly that. We would deliver out work assignments. So you come in, you clock in for your shift via Whisper, you get your list of assignments. So in the hotel in the hotel example, it's a list of rooms that you need to clean today. Uh, it might be any specific requests or notes on each of those rooms. Um, and then you simply work through your assignments. You uh, get all the checklists that you need for that particular work assignment and you confirm when you've done those things. Meaning that the business has now a real-time view or dashboard view of every worker and every action being taken across their business so that they can, instead of running around a hotel with 400 rooms, trying to figure out who's doing what, what room is ready, what are the issues, which room needs extra attention, they can become more like an air traffic controller where all the data is feeding back into them and they can manage the flow of work through a computer as opposed to manually running around with the checklist. And what we really wanted to get at and why we started that with hotels and it's since expanded out but with hotels if you think about a standard size property that has 300 rooms right to get a 300 room hotel fully functioning in other words how do you clean 
strip, clean, and inspect 300 rooms a month. It actually involves about 25,000 different workflows from a team of maybe 70 to 90 people that will typically speak about 30 different languages. Um, so how do you start to improve that process? How do you start to ensure that the quality of what you're doing is up to scratch? Um, so we wanted to enable workers, I guess, to interact with that information in a real-time way, give the data back to the business in a real-time way, and then make suggestions and predictions for how they can improve 25,000 different workflows over the course of 30 days. Yeah, and uh, that brings up a question. Um, pre, I guess, the coronavirus, were you guys already positioned um, primarily on sort of hospitality, the hotels and that sort of space? Yeah, we were actually just focusing exclusively on hotels. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a booming industry. I mean, there are about 17 and a half million hotel rooms in the world right now. That stock is going to increase by about 1.5 million in the next five to seven years. Um, we reckon that this was a really good place to start um, for a couple of reasons. One, the task complexity is at the right point for us as a business today, meaning that with the capital that we have raised, with the manpower that we have and the product we've developed, we can do an awesome job at that sort of task complexity. If you were gonna deploy Whisperite into oil and gas exploration in the North Sea, that might be a little, a little tricky right now. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to pick an industry where the task complexity was right, there was huge turnover in the staff and in hospitality, on a good year, you'll only lose about 70% of your staff. On a bad year, you might lose 300% of your staff. Um, and that there were all these sorts of um, language and also literacy barriers heightening the need for a technological solution that helps them still get all that work done. So when the backdrop is you're losing 200% of your staff every year, you've got to cater to 25 different languages and a 30% literacy problem how can you possibly make an improvement across 25,000 workflows? So that was our hypothesis at the beginning, and that was working really well. Um, yeah. We were deploying out to properties in the US and also in Europe. Um, then coronavirus came along. Occupancy in hotels fell from, you know, a global average of about 75 to 80% down maybe to, you know, five to 15% maybe yeah. somewhere in that bracket um, yeah. within the course of 10 days. So our response to that was launching what I described as, you know, COVID clean. And actually then what we saw was a ton of different industries signed up. We had supermarkets that wanted to try clean the aisles better because they were worried about their workers being in an environment where people were visiting. We had healthcare facilities, we had uh, field hospitals in the U S uh, we had nursing homes, um, courthouses, that mm -hmm. still were trying to remain operational, but didn't know how to clean properly or didn't know how to actually implement uh, disease center guidelines for what they should do. So yeah. it's kind of opened up our minds to a ton of other industries. Um, um, and, you know, we, we're now working through trying to deploy out through thousands of locations around the world in what should have been an event that killed our company. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm curious, obviously um, this is no one, no one could have predicted this, but um, this is <laughs> the sort of life that we, we yeah. deal with um, right with yeah. these black swan events. Uh, I'm curious both from a hospitality perspective, and you also mentioned all these different industries. Um, do you think that there's going to be any sort of like, I guess, standardized cleaning measures or sanitiza- sanitizing measures that are going to be adopted into um, I guess specifically hosp- or not hospitals, but um, hotel rooms is, is something that would yeah. come to mind. But there's also areas as well that I could see um, there being some sort of uh, required, I guess, checklist um, just to, or maybe not even required, but maybe there could be an opportunity for companies to say, hey, like we have this standard cleanliness um, every so often. And then obviously there would need to be a standardization to um, track that. Do you see any sort of opportunity or, or any sort of trends going towards, um, I guess, I guess sort of like structured cleaning regimens and, and things like that for yeah. different areas? So, yeah. So I think the two ways that companies will, will only ever respond to something is one, if their consumers insist upon it or two, if the government insists upon it. I think both of those options are available right now in the aftermath of coronavirus. What we saw was, if you look at the last five, 10 years, these sorts of businesses increasingly live or die based on their online reputation. If you go on to booking.com or Expedia or TripAdvisor, the number one rated item for hotels and for other types of hospitality businesses for other lodging facilities is cleanliness. Yeah. It's the only thing my fiance looks at first uh, is cleanliness. And, and I don't care, you know, I think everyone, most people are in the same boat. I don't care what sort of hotel room I stay in as long as it's clean. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, so this was already creeping up and now with coronavirus, I think this is going to absolutely explode. I think guests or other patrons of these types of businesses are going to demand both that they take more steps, but also that the customers have greater visibility into what they're doing. Yeah. Right. I almost picture like a stamp of approval almost. And in order to uphold that stamp of approval, there needs to be sort of a check to that. And, um, like you said, there's, there's different sort of tech to, to do that, whether and if it's pen and paper today, that's going to be hard to, to obviously scale up. And, um, that's obviously one of the benefits we see with voice tech, um, being able to be that, that sort of quick, um, option. Right. Right. And like, you know, if you consider a hotel room, right. And you're cleaning that. And I did this for many years. Um, you know, you're, you're probably doing on average about 30, 35 different things in each individual hotel room. You probably clean 13, well, nine to 13 hotel rooms per shift, depending on the type of property that you work at. How can you possibly one, remember every single thing in each individual room that you need to do. And two, how can you be expected to, in earnest, complete a manual checklist mm-hmm. with 35 items nine times or 10 times over every single day, right? So 350 boxes you have to tick every single day on a piece of paper and hand it back into your supervisor. It just doesn't work and therefore it's just not used, right? So there is no, there is no accountability or traceability back to what was actually done. And I think as consumers, people are just going to tolerate that less and less. And mm-hmm. as businesses, they should they should they should raise their bar uh, on that on that front. Yeah. So when it comes to a, a use case perspective, do you you sort of see yourself post um, this coronavirus? And, and obviously, no one knows how long and 
this is going to last and when we're going to sort of get back to, to quote usual. Um, but uh, do you see yourself as focusing around that, um, I guess, quality control uh, sort of uh, opportunity? Yeah, I think the key thing for businesses, and I mentioned earlier about kind of, you know, that, that sweet spot of speed and quality, it's a kind of a shitty, disgusting word, but it's mm-hmm. all really around compliance. So how do you yeah. mobilize large teams to be compliant with either your standards, government regulations, or customer expectations? If you have 3,000 hotels and hundreds of thousands of workers, how do you even begin to manage that process, right? And manage that and encourage and empower workers to get to that point of compliance. Um, So there's kind of two parts for us. One is the compliance boom that is going to come out of coronavirus. But secondly, which has always been at the forefront for us, is really around the empowerment and the encouragement and the recognition of the worker. If you turned up every day, it was like, hey, Colin, welcome back to day 752 working for this company. We're going to hand you a printed out sheet of paper with the same checklist items in a language that you don't understand. And maybe you have difficulty reading. You're going to become incredibly disengaged. That makes sense to us that that is the case, right? Mm -hmm. As I said, turnover is good year 70%, bad year 300%. It makes sense. Um, so what we're doing is also utilizing technology to both help people be more compliant and help people be, be more engaged and empowered in what they're doing. It means recognizing the good work that they're doing, enable them to communicate between themselves or as a team, enable you to see how you're faring in terms of, hey, you're hitting you know, 30% more tasks than everyone else in your team. You're doing an awesome job. Or, hey, here's where you're falling behind and here's how we're going to help you get better. Um, and using that combination of compliance and encouragement to actually engender better outcomes for the business, but also really just a happier, more satisfied worker. Um, yeah. And those things do not have to be mutually exclusive as they have been up until now. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about that analytics piece. Um, but before we talk about that, um, I also want to just understand uh, at an easier level the, the actual user experience uh, first from the, the yeah. customer's perspective of actually managing uh, these workflows. Like you said, there's there's a lot of different workflows. What's it like for the companies to actually process and, and, and create a, a product that's, that's workable with Whisper? Yeah. So what we started being super obsessed with voice and building everything around the voice components. So voice first, we wanted the workers to effectively have Alexa in their ear for all things work, right? That was kind of the initial place that we started. And what we found was that in order to do that, you had to build a workflow tool behind the voice to make sense of it. So you needed to know what work should get done, when, by whom and how, right? Mm-hmm. And what we realized through deploying with a, with a couple of different kind of frontline style companies was that the first thing they needed was the workflow tool. And the second component that they needed was that voice component as a way of enhancing the data and enhancing the information that was coming back into the system to make better predictions and assessments of what was going on and to improve the output over time. So we flipped that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to focus on that workflow first because you saw a bigger issue, I guess. 
Right. And also the voice component works better if you do that. Mm -hmm. If you have a truer understanding of what's going on, you can one deliver better voice to the worker and two ingest then better data back from that interaction back into your system to again, make better predictions and analytics and, and get those cogs turning. Um, so it, it, to answer your question, product use case, what does it actually feel like? Two places, one on the web for managers and supervisors, two mobile app for, for folks on the team, for workers on the web feels like a, um, a collection, I guess, of Google Docs, um, but more powerful in terms of here are all the uh, steps that we take as a business. Here are the things that people do. And we organize those in terms of physical areas within your business, who's doing them, when they should do them through assignments. And then on the mobile apps, the worker gets their uh, list of things that they need to do and embedded into each of those items is further information to help them. So it might be a checklist. Uh, it might be a, a tip. It might be a message from one of their workers. Um, it comes in a couple of different, uh, couple of different shapes and sizes. Um, and then that can be accessed uh, through the screen or, or through voice. Gotcha. And I, I do want to touch on that, that analytics piece quick um, from, from more of like a, I guess a high level. Um, do you, do you see, because you, you, the, the experience that you mentioned is kind of a, a proactive um, sort of experience where it's like, hey, yeah. you're doing a good job. Hey, um, you you need to do a little bit better. How do you, how do you sort of manage that um, engagement? I guess it's sort of, um, I could see that being touchy. Some people might not want to know, um, or it might, I guess they could be like, oh man, it's a little bit of pressure. I could see if they're like, um, maybe not, not doing that well. Um, I'm curious from your perspective, um, how you manage that sort of like proactive nature of, of the analytics and then overall just interested in the analytics and in the, what they can do today. Yeah. So it's, it's in essence, it's about trying to augment human behavior, which is really, really hard to do. Mm -hmm. So our, and we have not in any way mastered this yet. Um, but I guess our hypotheses right now is, Give the individual workers the information they need. Give managers the data behind that performance. Look, get into that in a moment about what that sort of data is, but give managers the data behind that performance. And through that information to both parties, we can help them improve the right put. Right? So, so that's, that's the hypothesis because today they don't have any information and they don't have any data. So there's no possible way you could improve it. Um, the second part around jumping in, you know, what, what does some of that data look like or analytics? Well, you know, there's basic components like, Hey, you know, what things were checked off, what things were completed, how long did they take, who did them? Um, you know, where were they done? How frequently were they done? And with that, we can start to build a more comprehensive picture of, Hey, how frequently do things need to be done? What is the best possible combination of these things and then we can start to understand you know validating data back in terms of maybe it's a customer review maybe it's a comment that's left on booking.com and says hey i stayed in room 137 uh on this date this was wrong with the room we know then who stayed in which room we know which worker cleaned that room on that date we can start to tie that whole picture together and actually give businesses a view on 
the most frequently most frequent things that keep cropping up that's hurting their quality scores um, where we can say hey your workers keep missing this step on disinfecting the door handles we're projecting out that you're going to have a problem with the virus or yeah. you need to solve this because we know this is going to create an issue and start to be able to give businesses a way to both take a step ahead of time and then also react to something uh, when it happens. And, and the baseline of all that today is, is, is zero, right? So, so that's, that's the kind of experience that we're trying to deliver to these, to these people. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and and obviously nobody um, could have predicted the the situation that we're in now, and still a lot of question marks um, here on April eighth on how long this is really going to last. But yeah. as it relates to Whisper and and the product and the business, um, looking forward to the next yeah. year or so, uh, where do you see the the company going? Just just to get just to add it to what you said there, it's April eighth, yep. right? Based in the U.S., you're on the East Coast. I'm on like one of the most Western parts of Europe. The good news is that it is going to get better. Yeah. And in Europe, we're seeing a clear distinction between the countries that locked down earlier were folks stayed at home and they're already opening back up. Right. I mentioned at the beginning that our, our company is based in Copenhagen and Denmark. They're sending their kids back to school next week. Oh, wow. uh, offices are opening the week after that. And, um, Bars and restaurants and cafes are scheduled to reopen on the 10th of May, right? Dublin here, we're about two weeks behind that. Um, so it seems really hard, I think, in the eye of the storm to ever feel like it's going to get better and you're smacking your head off the wall working from home for like the 14th day in a row. <laughs> but very quickly, you start to see some some light that, that then helps you get through it. Um, so you guys will get there. Yeah, no doubt. Um, definitely, definitely bullish on humanity. <laughs> we will, we will yeah. get through this. Uh, no doubt. Yeah, I mean the 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 Chinese today reported no uh, no net new cases, which is awesome. Um, and yeah. The other day they they had um, or no new net new case of death, I should say, right? So that they had no new deaths, which is which is really positive. Um, Spain and Italy here in Europe, which have been really really badly affected, we're starting to see a little. Uh, a little creep down in the numbers so it's been shit and crazy um but it will pass so so you ultimately think um it sounds like you're pretty confident we're going to be getting back um back to normal sooner uh within the next few weeks here hopefully so do you think that um ultimately i guess that opportunity for whisper is going to be i guess even better than it was uh, going into 2020 or, or what's sort of your outlook then? Yeah, I think my outlook is I think businesses are going to be in a bit of shock for a number of months mm -hmm. and that will impact every company's ability to do deals, right? There are incredibly well-funded fintech companies in Europe that whose revenue has dropped by over 50% in the last three weeks, right? We're an incredibly not well-funded small company in Europe and of course the impacts of this have been even more profound than that um, so I, th I think businesses are going to be in shock um, I think sales cycles are going to get longer I think fundraising is going to get harder Yeah. Um, but ultimately for a company if you can survive this literally by just existing to the end of this crisis as a company you have a badge of honor, 
Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I think that means fewer competitors for deals and fewer competitors for fundraising. Yeah. Um, that's so, definitely so been a recurring can, theme. Yeah. So if you can find a way to just struggle through it, and I think we will, though, let's see. It's it'll be close for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can, you, you're in then a disproportionately stronger position than you ought to be given the bashing that your company just took for maybe the preceding six to nine months, right? So it's kind of like you got to go through all this terrible pain right now, uh, risk losing everything you've worked for. And if you get out the other side, all of a sudden you're kind of catapulted in this position of real strength. For sure. Better to embrace it than just to, I guess, ignore it, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, for for companies maybe of a similar stage, um, we've done two funding rounds. Um, we're still kind of sub-20 employees. For companies of a similar stage in the U.S., I think the only thing that we've learned and we've seen in Europe is if you need to make changes to product, people, or process, that you do that extremely quickly, like uncomfortably quickly. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then as it relates to the, the sort of voice and, and audio space, um, yeah. what, what gets you excited, I guess, over the next few years ahead, um, despite the, the coronavirus? Uh, what, 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 what makes you excited? <laughs> despite the coronavirus, there is a whole other world out there that doesn't yeah. involve coronavirus. Exactly, which, right? Which is good <laughs> Shocking. <to remember. laughs> um, Clearly, voice and audio is growing at such a phenomenal rate that the technology actually has not been able to uh, keep up. Like we saw in the last week, you know, Siri making an acquisition here of an Irish company, quite simply, I think, because the Siri experience was crap, right? So um, companies from a commercial, from a consumer standpoint, excuse me, from a consumer standpoint, are focusing more and more on the health and the uh, quality of the interaction. And that will then trickle down to B2B. Um, Meaning that we will have this whole new world of options and opportunity to create better work experiences for people in a format that isn't the screen. And it really is the great equalizer because as you develop products for on screen, you make a ton of small decisions, Android and iOS, which, you know, what sort of of Android devices do you support? How are you going to do that? Which are you going to optimize for? Are you going to develop both in tandem? Are you going to make different decisions? And with voice, you don't have to do any of that. It's equal. It's all standard. And you can really just focus on, improving the experience of the end user so that they get more value from your product. So I think as voice grows, as consumer businesses invest more in the quality of that interaction, businesses that sell to businesses like ours will follow quickly after, and we're going to see more and more voice enabled solutions within the enterprise. Um, Three years ago, it was not socially acceptable to walk down the street and leave a voice note or a WhatsApp voice message for somebody. Now it is totally normal and we've become totally accustomed to seeing people hold the corner of their screen 
with the corner of their phone up to their mouth as they're walking down the street. We just, um, we just accept that now. That's normal. That's cool. We're all right with that. So I think it is moving at a rapid pace. I think as people, we're just becoming more open and welcoming to voice as a medium. And that's not going to slow. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree with you there. Hugh, where's, where's the best place for the, the listeners to follow what you're doing? Uh, maybe reach out if they, they wanted to work with you in some capacity. Um, where's the best place to follow Whisperer and, and what you're up to? Yeah, I think keeping it old school, www.whisper.ai, W-H-I-S-P-R.ai. Uh, if there are businesses that are physical businesses remaining open during this crisis, they should go to www.thecovidclean.com. Uh, register there and one of our team would be happy to help them and yeah so that's where uh, that's where all things whisper can be found and it was uh, it was really awesome speaking to you Colin thank you so much yeah thanks so much for coming on Hugh a lot of uh, really interesting things to to take away and uh, I wish you guys nothing but success in these uh, weird times but like you said I I, we will get through it we will and uh, yeah I hope uh, I hope you stay healthy and stay well and uh, we'll chat soon Same to you. And thanks again for coming on. This podcast is sponsored by Voice Punch VC. Voice Punch is a venture capital fund that is focused on voice-driven and voice-connected technology. So if you are a company or an entrepreneur that has a product that is in this sort of space, much like a lot of the different companies that I am interviewing, then you should reach out to the team by going to voicepunch.vc. 